We got a big day for you today. Pardon the voice. It's a little bit uh, off, raspy. I am corona-free, <clears throat> which is good news. But uh, but more of a head cold, which has moved into my chest a little bit than anything. So I apologize for the voice, but uh, I, I, I feel better than I sound. Let's put it that way. feel better than I sound. Uh, a lot going on. Obviously, yesterday, Aaron Rodgers fired back at Hub Arkish. Strong words, and he didn't mince words, calling him a bum, an absolute bum. Uh, then last night, Hub Arkish um, obviously trying to backpedal a little bit into his commentary, uh, although not apologizing for um, you know for the pre- predetermined thought when it comes to the MV- MVP voting. But uh, he said, uh, you know, that he basically is not going to back off of his stance. It's just that he shouldn't have said it. He says uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, to Aaron Rodgers, you're one of the greatest players of this generation and one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Whether or not you are this year's MVP is up to a 50-member panel. Neither me nor my critics. Uh, And he went on from there. When he talked about he shouldn't have said what he said because then he put the others on the panel, the other voters, in a bad light. Most of the other 49 AP voters are acquaintances. Many are friends. And the reason we are asked not to do what I did, as Hub Arkish wrote, is now you put undue pressure on some of the other members to comment, not to comment, agree or disagree, or take grief for doing the right thing and remaining silent. Worse yet, I've apparently unleashed a small army of self-styled social media and talk radio experts who have no clue what they're talking about to challenge the quality of the voting process and would attempt to invalidate any vote or thought process that doesn't agree with their own. He said, quote, a sign of the times, I guess. So it is what it is, I guess. Uh, Look, Aaron Rodgers made it very public. It wasn't like he uh, minced words and softened the blow. He dropped the bomb. He's a bum. Now, normally, you know, I can't remember the last time I heard anybody use the term he's a bum. But that's about as strong as you're going to get short of profanity. That's about as strong as you're going to get short of profanity. Uh, I don't want to get into the what I take issues with and don't take issues with because I don't uh, – I think this is not so much over the vaccination status but more so over the misleading of the media, which I told you there was going to be people that it took offense to it. But I said all along, as long as the NFL knew and as long as his teammates knew, that's fine. The rest of the actions are upon Aaron Rodgers. That's his tête-à-tête with the media, and, and who cares? You know, I mean, that's everybody's going to have their opinion on that. But as long as the team knew, and as long as his teammates knew, then it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Uh, the the Packers have been slapped on the wrist for allowing Rodgers to do some things around the building and in pressers without a mask, and so be it. You know, they 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 took their slap on the wrist. Everybody's back in alignment. And now you move on. Now you worry about football. This was what Rodgers had to say in response to Hub Arkish saying that he couldn't vote for a bad guy and he thought Aaron Rodgers was a jerk. I think he's a bum. I think he's an absolute bum. He doesn't know me. I don't know who he is. No one knew who he was probably until yesterday's comments. But, I mean, to and I listened to the comments, but to say he had his mind made up in the summertime, 
in the off season that, you know, I had zero chance of winning the VP. In my opinion, should exclude, you know, future, future votes. Um, you know, his problem isn't with me being a bad guy or the biggest jerk in the league. Cause he doesn't know me. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know anything about me. I mean, I've never met him. I've never had lunch with him. I've never had an interview with him. Um, his problem is I'm not vaccinated. You know, so if he wants to go on a crusade and collude and come up with an, an extra letter to put on the award just for this season and make it the most valuable vaccinated player, then he should do that. But he's a bum, and I'm not going to waste any time worrying about that stuff. He has no idea who I am. He's never never talked to me in his life. But it's unfortunate that those those sentiments – it's surprising that he would even say that, to be honest. But, yeah, I knew this was possible. We talked about it on McAfee weeks ago. Um, but crazy. This was Hub Arkish originally what set off this whole firestorm on 670 to the score in Chicago. Do you have an MVP vote this year, Hub? I do. Yeah, I'm one of the AP. There's 50 of us who vote, and I am one of us. Did you reveal that you're not voting for Aaron Rodgers? Is that correct? I did. Yeah. I mean, I've been pretty consistent about that all year. Um, I don't think you can be the biggest jerk in the league and punish your, your team and your organization, and your fan base the way he did and be the most valuable player. It, it, has he been the most valuable on the field? Yeah, you could make that argument, but I don't think he is clearly that much more valuable than, than Jonathan Taylor or, or Cooper Cup or, or maybe even Tom Brady. And and so from where I sit, the rest of it is why he's not going to be my choice. Do I think he's going to win it? Probably. You know, the, the, a lot of the voters don't don't approach it the same way that I do. Others do who I've spoken to. Um, but one of the, the, the ways we get to keep being voters is we're not allowed to say who we are voting for until after the award has been announced. I'm probably pushing the envelope by saying who I'm not voting for. But we're, we're not really supposed to reveal our votes. Are off-field things like vaccination status supposed to factor in, or are there no guidelines for that? There's no guidelines. Uh, you know, we are told to pick the guy who we think is the most valuable to his team. And, and the, you know, I, I don't think it says anywhere, you know, strictly on the field, uh, although I do think he hurt his team on the field, uh, you know, by, by the way he acted off the field. They're going to get the number one seed anyway, but what if the difference had come down to – to the Chiefs game, you know, where he lied about being vaccinated and, and, and you know, ended up not playing and they got beat. So uh, I think all these things should be considerations. That, that's the way I look at it. He ruined the entire off season for that football team. They were left in jeopardy. They had no idea what they were doing. Uh, a, a lot of the off the field stuff was wasted because he wasn't there. He tortured his fan base um, uh, and he's and he's getting ready. He's already started doing it again. Yeah, no, I, I just think that, that the way he's carried himself is inappropriate. You know, the, 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 the vaccine thing just was one more log on the fire, so to speak. I, I think he's a bad guy, you know, and I don't think a bad guy can be the most valuable guy at the same time. Now, I again, I go back to I understand what Hub's saying. I don't agree with it. You know, I mean, you can you can understand the argument. But going back to what went on in the preseason, what went on in the offseason, obviously has had no reflection on what has happened results-wise on the field this season. I, You know, I mean, you can say he's a bad guy and he's hurt his organization. Okay, I can understand that. But at this point in time, I'd say other than the fact that had he come out at the original press conference and said, no, I'm immunized, but I did not get vaccinated and I'm not going to. 
Well, that that wouldn't have hurt the team any more or any less than what what happened when it came to the Kansas City game. So, as long as the team knew, as long as the NFL knew, I don't have a problem with it. My problem was Aaron Rodgers basically pointing it at the media it's, it, that it was our fault in some way. Because again, that's that's deflecting blame. You know, just take a little responsibility for what you say sometimes. But beyond that, he Rodgers is right. You can't predetermine. You know, had this team gone down the tubes and Rodgers had a great year, I can see that. I can see him saying, look, it, it hurt the team. Rodgers is having a great season, but it hurt the team. But it hasn't hurt the team. How has it hurt the team? The argument is moot. So I understand what Rodgers, why he comes out swinging, saying, look, if you predetermined without even looking at where we're at and to say it's hurt the team, how would it hurt the team? Now, I will say, for anybody in the world of football, anybody that's a casual observer of football, anybody that's ever listened to a Monday night game or a Sunday night game or a Saturday playoff game, everybody knows who Hub Arkish is. Everybody does. So to say nobody probably heard of him before this, he's just making a name for himself, no. Hub Arkish is a well-listened um, to, thought of, respected in many areas. NFL guy has been for a long, long time. This particular case, he stepped in it, no doubt. But what 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 Hub said, and what Aaron Rodgers alluded to, one hundred percent correct. I get it. You can't predetermine an award that is based upon the body of work during an entire season and where the team performs. I mean, you can, and I said this yesterday. You can deal with woulda, coulda, shoulda, right? You can say Dak Prescott, woulda, coulda, shoulda, all oh, if they would have only had a few more catches instead of all those drops, he'd be in the MVP talk. Oh, had Russell Wilson not you know, busted up the thumb, oh, he'd have been in the MVP talk. You know, had Jonathan Taylor gotten 25, 30 more carries by, by right now, oh, he'd be in the MVP talk even more so. He'd be the front runner. Well, woulda, coulda, shoulda. But you don't base it on that. You base it on what's actually happened. What's actually happened is Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the league, top five in most statistical categories, and he's on a team that has the best record overall in the National Football League. Period. End of story. That's it. That's it. So uh, that 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 is where this argument begins to fall short uh, on Hub's behalf. And what and he's right. Had he not said anything and just did not vote for him, nobody says a word. Nobody says a word. But because he said what he said, not only did he expose the predetermination of the voting as, as you know fully human error, but also he then threw the rest of his voters under the bus. Because everybody that legitimately has a vote now has to discuss this in some way, shape, or form. The question's going to come up. Now, whatever they do with it, that's up to them. But now, it's kind of like being a bad guy in a locker room. You know, doing something stupid and then walking away and allowing all your teammates to sit there and answer your questions. Because that's what everybody's going to talk about. So there you go. 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. Let's do this. Uh, Jim Ozarski, speaking of uh, of guys we want to talk to, Jim Ozarski covers the Milwaukee Bucks for the Journal Sentinel. Now, interesting, because word breaks that DeMarcus Cousins, who was picked up by the Bucks, is now being let go. 
He's now being let go. The Bucks want to leave an open roster spot in case they make a trade, and they let him go. So we want to get into the where's and why's and such as the Bucks fall last night. They scored 77 in the first half of that game, and after that, third quarter just did them in. They only dropped 11 on the Toronto Raptors at the Fiserv Forum last night. Chris Middleton led all scorers, but it wasn't enough. They got shut down in that third quarter, and that was pretty much it. But we'll, we'll talk with Jim Ozarski about all of this when we come back. Stay tuned. Got a lot more coming up. Bill Michael show continues on. Pardon the voice. I apologize. I, I feel better than I sound. Trust me. Stay tuned. We got more of the Bill Michael show coming up next. This is the Bill Michael show on the Wisconsin sports zone radio network. Welcome back to the program, the Bill Michaels Show. We continue on. Glad to hear you. Hang out with you. Talk to you. Chat with you. All that kind of good stuff today. And if you've got a lot going on, you've got Antonio Brown officially being cut by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Hub Arkish making his comments. Aaron Rodgers calling him a bum. You've got all kinds of other stuff floating around out there. But really, when you get into the nuts and bolts and the analytics, that's what you got to look at as the Packers get ready to take on the Lions. And then who may be the best team suited to uh, knock off the Packers? Um, joining us now on the uh, the hotline, our good buddy uh, Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus is here. Sam, how you been? Good. How about you? We're doing well. So you tell me uh, when it comes to all this MVP chatter, statistically speaking, who who would you consider to be some of the front runners? Um, I think Aaron Rodgers is definitely in that short list of conversation. Uh, I think Tom Brady is there as well. And Joe Burrow is, is finishing the season really strong and forcing his name into that conversation. I think maybe his really great run has come just a little bit too late. Or if the season had another couple of weeks to it, Burrow would be there. But I think it's probably you know a, a coin toss between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady right now. Yeah, I would. I, most people kind of feel that way, so I would 100% agree with you. Now, when it comes to uh, others like, say, Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup, what would is there anything they could do to thrust themselves into the mix uh, over the next uh, week or in this uh, this last game of the season? We'll say. Yeah, MVP is just such a strange award when it comes to football because if you care about the value element at all, a receiver or certainly a running back. They're just not going to win it over a quarterback. Um, you know, PFF has created a, a metric that tries to measure this value. PFF war that wins above replacement, a lot like baseball. And the top quarterbacks in the NFL are worth over four wins above replacement over the course of the year. Jonathan Taylor is the, the best running back in the NFL this year in terms of PFF war. And he would rank 31st out of quarterbacks, maybe lower, depending on if you put in a few backups there that have played some snaps and, and earned a, a decent amount of war as well. So as great as Taylor has been, he just doesn't have the same impact in moving the needle when it comes to generating legitimate value in winning or losing games. And you can see that elsewhere. You can see that in the Vegas point spread as well. If Jonathan Taylor goes out, the point spread moves maybe a point. When Carson Wentz was potentially missing a game and they were going to start Sam Ellinger, 
the, the spread moved like seven points. You know, it's, it's just not comparable. So as great of a season as Jonathan Taylor has had, I think he's in the offensive player of the year conversation. Same with Cooper Cup. But I just think that at this point, if you do value the value component of MVP, it's a quarterback award in today's NFL. Would Derrick Henry, had he kept on the pace of the season he was having prior to him going down with injury, would he then have been thrust into the mix, or does he even not really move the needle nearly as much? I think in you know he wouldn't have been amongst the quarterbacks, I don't think, in PFF war, but Derrick Henry over the past couple of years is the one running back that I think you can construct some kind of argument for. And I think that argument has kind of been enhanced by – seeing what happens when he goes down and that it had an immediate impact, not just on the team overall, but on the passing game. Like, I think you can, you can definitely make an argument that Derrick Henry manipulates defenses to the point where it affects Tennessee's passing game, not the other way around, which I think is the case for most running backs in the NFL, that the passing game influences the kind of picture they're looking at and the, the number of times they face eight men in the box and all those kinds of things. Derrick Henry looks like he shifts things the other way around and affects the job that Ryan Tannehill has to do and the success that A.J. Brown and the rest of that offense can have. And when he's not there, even though they're able to run the ball pretty well still with Dante Foreman and, and Dontrell Hilliard, it doesn't have the same effect on defenses, and you're not seeing as many guys in the box, and it's not having the same kind of effect on Tannehill, who's – PFF grades and production immediately nosedived. So looking at the, these teams as they come into the postseason, and everybody wants to know who's the team that's going to match up the, the, the toughest for the Green Bay Packers, is there one over the other, statistically speaking, because of either a Packers weakness or what another team does? Because the Packers look like at any point in time they can beat anybody, but also with slow starts in the first quarter, also with a special teams unit that's been iffy throughout the season, it also looks like they could lose to anybody at any point in time. Yeah, I don't think they're a team that has that, that matches up unusually badly against any particular playoff team. And there are teams in the playoffs I think that do fit that category. You know, I don't. I think there are certain teams that Buffalo, for example, definitely does not want to see in the playoffs. But I'm not sure the Packers are are in the same situation. I think they are a well balanced team. They've been riding um, this season without some of their most important players, particularly compared with a year ago. And as much as they have sort of struggled their way through certain games or gone off the boil in certain key times, I don't think it's a specific type of team or type of offense or defense that's causing them problems. I think they're just occasionally, there's a reason that the sort of the Vegas line is not as in love with Green Bay as their record would suggest, or the fact that they're going to get that number one seed most likely Um, there it's, it, this is a team that hasn't necessarily played up to its potential at all times. Um, but I think they're well-equipped to take down any, t- any team from the NFC. Talking with Sam Monson, uh, Pro Football Focus, at PFF underscore Sam. So when we go to the AFC side of things, 
Uh, you got a guy like Joe Burrow is going to be sitting this week. Aaron Rodgers not going to sit this week. But you look down that line of guys that were supposed to have big seasons. You look at the the progress of Josh Allen, and then they had a couple of losses that probably shouldn't have been there. Certainly, the Patriots have went on a roll, and then they lost a couple of games. Is there any is there anything to be said first of all about sitting a guy in the last week of the season versus not sitting a guy? Is there any statistic out there that makes one more successful than the other? And the other thing is, is who does have really kind of the hot hand going into the postseason? There isn't much in terms of statistical data saying that one way or the other is better. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers kind of talked about this when he was on the Manning cast, that you're always going to kind of reverse engineer it and work from the results backwards and say, well, you won the game, so, of course, sitting or, or playing your starters was the right way of doing it. But I think ultimately there's, there hasn't been any data that says one way or the other is better. Um, it is probably, you know, a... a some of one and some of another, that what you gain in making sure nobody gets rusty and has too long off, you potentially lose with the exposure to injury. And, and case. So I, I, don't, I really don't think there's one correct way of doing it. Um, the only time I think it does make sense is if you have guys dealing with some kind of injury and they could play, but you're risking them and you're, you're risking re-aggravating the injury or at least delaying the, the time they're going to be 100% healthy I think it does make obvious sense to rest those guys in a game, particularly one that doesn't mean a whole lot. But for Green Bay in particular, you know, if they get when they're going to have that number one seed, have the extra week off, it it certainly is a long time now to be resting guys. You know, it's, it goes beyond a bye and gets into an extended period off. It, it makes sense, I think, to play them at least some of the game against Detroit and try and stave off any threat of, of going off the boil that way. Um, and then it is a risk because guys like Joe Burrow, who I think has been the hottest quarterback in the NFL over the past few weeks, um, Burrow picks up a knee injury late in that game, and they're definitely going to be incentivized to rest him and make sure he doesn't uh, – or he's 100% healthy for the playoffs. But he's the guy that's cooking right now. So that's the kind of dilemma is – is do we risk putting Joe Burrow out there to make sure he stays absolutely at the peak of his game or to, or is health more important and we need to make sure that he's 100% healthy whenever he's next on the field? There's going to be some teams come the end of the season looking for head coaches. Uh, we already know Jacksonville is going to be in the hunt. Uh, we feel that Chicago is going to be in the hunt. Uh, there's some other teams that will be looking. Will a team, say, like Minnesota, will they they be in the hunt and start looking for a head coach? Do you think Mike Zimmer's done enough, or do you think they may move on there? Other coaches may be in jeopardy as well. Yeah, I think there's a growing feeling that just the the combination that's been in charge in Minnesota has reached the end of its its lifetime there, and there needs to be some kind of divorce or some kind of serious change in the structure just to spark something different you know the the vikings have have reached this level and they've kind of settled there and they're not really moving in either direction and the talent that they have um across the board kirk cousins a quarterback mike zimmer as head coach rick spielman as the gm they're too good for them ever to completely implode and end up in in this disastrous situation that sort of lends itself to a hard reset but they don't appear to be good enough to take them to that promised land, take them back to NFC Championship games and beyond into Super Bowls. So something needs to change. And it's one of those tricky situations, kind of like you know, Mike Shanahan at the end of his Denver tenure, where things were still 
you know, there's a lot of teams that would kill for that position to be consistently challenging for the playoffs every year. But at some point, if your goal is to win a Super Bowl, you have to come to the realization that that isn't happening with the current group. And I think that's probably where the Minnesota Vikings are, that if they want to win a Super Bowl, if they're not happy with just contending for the postseason every single year and, and, and they actually have aspirations of doing more, something significant needs to change. And that, I think, probably starts with the head coach and then potentially the quarterback and, and maybe even completely cleaning house and the GM as well. Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus, joining us uh, on the hotline at the moment. So as we start to whittle down and we get into the postseason, uh, the representative for the NFC and the AFC, the best shots to get to a Super Bowl out of each conference, who do you think? Um, I, I think you, it, it's funny, for all the chaos of this season and for all the weird results and the, the random losses that really good teams have had and everybody being able to beat everybody, when you look at the landscape, it starts to look exactly like it did at the start of the season, where the favorite teams back then are starting to look like the favorite teams now. Green Bay and Tampa Bay in the NFC, and then Kansas City and Buffalo potentially in the AFC. And I think there's definitely teams that can spoil the party and go on a run. Um, But I think those are probably the favorites for the conference championships and if Green Bay are going to start getting back some of these important players that they've been without almost all season, you know, Jair Alexander, David Bakhtiari, uh, Zadaria Smith, that's some serious reinforcement that everybody else is not looking forward to and everybody else is not getting themselves. So I think Green Bay have a real good chance of actually getting over that final step this year and making it to the Super Bowl. And then from the AFC, Kansas City genuinely looks like they might be back and you know, that they have been kind of fixed in, through playing a, a few bad defenses and got themselves back on track, it's going to take a really good performance and a really good run by somebody else to stop Kansas City getting back to the Super Bowl. Sam, always good. Hey, are you guys going to start uh, getting into the statistics of the USFL if it ever gets off the ground? I haven't actually checked, but I would imagine we will. We've <laughs> graded every other like league that lasted five minutes in the last few years, so awesome. I can't imagine any reason we wouldn't be doing the USFL. Good stuff. Sam, appreciate it, buddy, and we'll talk soon, okay? Anytime, guys. Take it easy. There you go. Sam Monson, a pro football focus, joining us for a couple of minutes on the hotline. Good to talk to Sam. Uh, good to chat with him a little bit. Yeah, the uh, apparently the uh, the USFL – is about to start back up. And the uh, there's four teams right now, four of them, that uh, are, are ready to go. Mike Riley is going to be the head coach of the New York Generals. Kevin Sumlin of the Houston Gamblers. Todd Haley of the Tampa Bay Bandits. And Bart Andrus of the Philadelphia Stars. Those are the four teams that uh, are formed, I guess, is the best way to put it. So there you go. By the way, uh, Novak Djokovic uh, still, apparently, according to the LA Times, in limbo as he uh, tries to fly, find flights out of Australia. So for those that were wondering and worried about him, I guess, if you're family, friends, or members, uh, there you have it. <laughs> so good stuff. Uh, I got a break coming up. Let's do this. We'll step away. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We got a lot more. We got a lot more to get to. A couple of segments yet to go. Don't forget, we're going to be down at Angry Brothers Pub in Racine coming up tonight, 6 to 8. The Bill Michaels Huddle brought to you by our friends at Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network.